staring down at his laptop like it was a fucking sandwich. <laughs> so they're like looking down at it and you're like, is this the fucking like dick cam? Like, can you please fucking like just look at your fucking laptop straight away? Like a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the 8-Bit Dad Podcast. I'm Tom Burns, and I'm here with Brian Ferguson and Zach Rosenberg. 8-Bit Dad celebrates parenting from the 8-Bit generation, and if you do too, please visit 8bitdad.com and join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 8bitdad or Twitter at twitter.com slash 8bitdads. Hey guys, how's it going tonight? Mm. <laughs> that was really enthusiastic. Wow. That was, I was, that was, <laughs> you know things are going well. Um, I right, have to work are, tomorrow, are, are you, so I'm are you fucking bummed. Are you a gelfling? Use <laughs> <laughs> that like a zexy from the Dark Crystal. I mean, I'm bummed, like, like si- Sam Simon, you know, like he, he, he passed away this week and it's. Oh, Jesus. It's been like a bummer of weeks it's, lately. It's oh, today, yeah. today, my, uh, my favorite author in the world, Terry Pratchett died. Right He's, yeah. What's yeah. The, our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's been, yeah, Sam Simon, Leonard Nimoy, Terry Pratchett. It has been a rough week for, uh, stuff that I loved in my childhood. Yeah. And, yeah. and even today it was just, you know, losing Spock, one of the creator of the Simpsons mm-hmm. and, uh, Terry Pratchett who, uh, you know, wrote about like 60 novels that I loved and, uh, you know, was the, like, it's, he's a really, it, he's a really great, this great fantasy writer that in the UK, he's like their Stephen King, mm. like everybody there. Like if you go to like an airport, it's just filled with his books. And uh, before JK Rowling came along, he was the best selling British author of the past 50 years. I do believe we've got schooled by Tom. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. I saw I'm a little a, bit. Uh, I'm a fan of the guy. He, well, he has a library. He's he's building a library over there. There you go. I saw a, um, a picture on Reddit today of I guess the the shirt that he used to wear to conventions. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw so that. Says uh, Tolkien's dead. J.K. Rowling said no. Philip Pullman couldn't make it. Hi, I'm Terry Pratchett. <laughs> <laughs> he was this really funny guy, and I and I have to admit, this is one of the few celebrity deaths. The way they announced. His his death. Um, I started crying hmm. because they, there's a thing in his books where uh, death is a character. Like the Grim Reaper is this recurring character, and uh, he's like this really funny, engaging, like f- sort of force of nature. And like, and when he talks, like he's written in like all caps, and so you can definitely tell when death is speaking. <laughs> and he's had a couple books where death is like the main character. Like me on Facebook. All caps. There you go. All caps. <laughs> I mean, he's just serious. <laughs> and uh, when they announced it today, his daughter, who's a big video game, uh, she writes a lot for video games. She wrote uh, like the new Tomb Raider game. Like she's done a wow. bunch of stuff. Her name's Rihanna Pratchett. On her Twitter account, she announced it, and like it was basically they had like a quote from Death that was like, uh, "Alas, you know, alas, Sir Terry, it's time for us to finally take that walk together." And it was like this uh, in-character thing like of like his and... character. Yeah, it was. It was. It was just like heartbreaking, but kind of perfect. And it was great. And I totally like it. Like it. It punched me right in the feels. But uh, yeah, it was. It was really good. He has a. He has a book that he co-wrote with Neil Gaiman called Good Omens that might be the funniest thing I've ever read. Hmm. You know a lot uh, about books. I do know a lot about books. <laughs> I would say he's a buff. 
<laughs> you should write a website about that sort of thing. <laughs> Feels like a library.com guy. I'm with the branding. Yeah, just in case you haven't ever read Tom's website, it would uh, it would behoove you to to go check out building a library. Um, he does have uh, a lot more a lot more stuff about books than than we have the balls to put up on on Ape but Dad. <laughs> we in fact that's 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 how we we initially met him was because we were like, should we write stuff about books? And then Brian and I were just kind of like, no, that sounds like smart shit. We should just write about video games and stuff. And then Brian's like, yeah, but I found this other guy that talks about books. <laughs> but uh, it's, not even come up. Shit. it's not even smart <laughs> shit. It's just like, oh, should we write about that thing that's not that popular? <laughs> it, it's a very niche thing, you know, because that's, that's the thing we're finding out now where I'm finding out now where, you know, uh, Ape and Dad is great. And we've talked a bunch on the podcast about there's sort of these communities of sort of parenting and dad and mom bloggers. And I'm in like this weird niche because I kind of <laughs> I write about books and like kids books a lot. Yeah. And so like a lot of the blogging stuff that comes up or, you know, one of the big blogging things is people wanting to give you free stuff or wanting to compensate. You'd be like, Hey, write about this. But I'm in this really weird. I'm like, yeah, no, I only really write about an industry that doesn't have a lot of money. <laughs> and doesn't have, and you know, I'm not going to get on the Hasbro list, you know, <laughs> Hey, do you want some free transformers to write about on your book blog? Yeah, unless they, unless they transform into books. Right. You're almost there with, uh, with like, if they do like Soundwave again, like he had those cassettes. Maybe there's like some books on cassette. Or Kramer's yeah. uh, coffee table book that turns into a coffee table. <laughs> turns into a coffee table. <laughs> it's really, yeah. And then the new edition of Soundwave, yeah, Ravager turns into a Kindle. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> they think, I think with like the new Soundwave toys, like I think they don't even like, they're just like, yeah, he's got speakers on him. Like he's, he's got an input somewhere. He's, just, he's pulling from the cloud. Didn't he have the, the cassette tape? Yeah. Yeah. He had like, there was like a there, little. Uh, it was like a little mini mini cassette. Yeah, they were like now, dogs and vultures and crap that would turn into cassettes. There was like a puma. I think that was like Ravager. <laughs> That's right. And then there was is it Buzzclaw or something, something like that? Yeah, it like it was like the bird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Those things were cool. I loved. I always loved uh, um, Soundwave, which you can tell because I just could, could blank. I blanked on his name. <laughs> I love him so much. I can't remember his name. And he actually played sound, right? I mean, there was like little sound effects that came out of him, right? Yeah, yeah. I always loved like his voice because he had that totally like vocoded sound, mm-hmm. where they like you know just ran someone's voice through a uh, Casio keyboard in the uh, in the eighties. <laughs> like that'll be his voice. But hey, they made him actually sound like a robot, other than just going like, "Hey, I'm pretty sure that's Cobra Commander." Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, hey, Starscream. Um, are you the? Uh, Which speaking of, uh, Leonard Nimoy played um, played uh, what did he play on? Um, um, he played, uh, God, I, is it Omnicron or Gal? No. Yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah. Uh, he was the planet. Wait, oh, wait, the so planet stupid. was Orson, was the planet Orson Welles or was the planet Leonard Nimoy? The planet was Orson Welles. Leonard Nimoy was, uh, Galvatron. Galvatron. Gotcha. Yeah. God, I remember going to see Transformers, the movie in the theater and I love the, um, which, uh, dates me. Uh, but, uh, it was such a, 
like it was such a mind fuck for kids of a certain age because now in retrospect I can look back and sort of see what they did was uh, apparently the big impetus for the movie was they're like all right hey we're gonna do a big screen Transformers movie but what we wanted to do is we wanted to kick off a new line of toys yeah mm-hmm. like that was first and foremost so the first like eight minutes of the movie is literally like all like oh if you were like a fan of the transformers cartoon show which is most of the people that went there you know to yeah. see it, it was watching all of the characters from that show be brutally murdered yeah, in the so. first eight minutes <laughs> and, then, and then being like but hey here's these other futuristic looking characters and you're like i just saw them tear ratchet apart <laughs> and like throw him into a vat of molten metal yeah. i just saw optimus's primes like heart ripped out yeah what are you doing like it is it's kind of a fucked up thing to do to kids it's like Oh yeah, it's you know. Uh, are you a fan of the Teen Titans Go? Come see the Teen Titans Go movie. In the first five minutes, Beast Boy is eviscerated <laughs> and Robin is shot in the face, and then we introduce you to a whole bunch of new fun Teen Titans. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that was that's the funny thing is like um, now, like the the Michael Bay Transformers movies, like Optimus Prime's been in like I don't know, like seven of them. Like I don't know how many of these movies there are. There's like four of them, right? Yeah, He's, Optimus Prime has been in, like every single one, I think. Um, like in Transformers, the movie, like the old one, like Optimus Prime dies like halfway through the movie, right? Like oh, he dies like in the first, yeah, in, like, the minutes. first 10 minutes. Cause he like, what? cause he passes on the stuff to Ultra Magnus and yeah, the uh, matrix of leadership or yeah. whatever they call it. But yeah, and it was really, it was just really funny that <laughs> like in the development meeting for that movie that there was nobody going like, boy, it's. Do you think the kids are going to be mad that we're killing every everybody? single person? <laughs> like you would think, because because even, even like the Michael Bay Transformers movies, you know, for as much as those Transformers don't look a damn thing <laughs> like the cartoon, and I, I hate the design of the Michael Bay Transformers and the personalities yeah. are sort of all over the place and Bumblebee can only talk using sound clips and shit <laughs> so for, for that, which is so dumb. Uh, then. The you know at, even they went like Optimus Prime was like their grounding figure was they're like yeah. okay like out of all the characters his robot looks the design looks the most like the cartoon they got Peter Cullen the guy who did the voice mm-hmm. they're like we should get him because e- the, even they went okay we need something we need an anchor <laughs> an anchor to quick let people make them red and blue <laughs> right to let people know oh yeah this is this does have some tie nostalgic tie to what you think of as a transformer yeah well peter 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 cullen was in ghostbusters you learn something new every day Son of a he bitch. was in he, uh, the movie or the cartoon the cartoon oh i he i'm sure he's one of those guys that showed up and did just did every like did every, every every voice acting gig in the well, 80s that, that, what i forget what there's some movie that they mentioned this connection but that was the whole thing the weird connection where uh in the real ghostbusters cartoon peter vinkman's voice was done by the voice actor lorenzo music who is best known as the voice of garfield the cat (laughs) and then when they made a garfield the cat movie his voice was done by bill murray yeah wow dude uh peter cullen was eeyore in uh in uh winnie the pooh in christmas (laughs) two I, I'm I'm just looking through Peter Cullen's IMDb now, and it is number one way too long. Oh, and number mm-hmm. two, he's played basically everyone that you've ever cared about in anything. 
He's played. Yeah, it's, there's a couple of those characters. Um, a couple of those those voice actor guys really get. Uh, like if you look at Mark Hamill's, uh, yeah. the breakdown of the oh, yeah. voice work that Mark Hamill's done, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, he is. He's he like what? Because there's always there's always someone who's like, yeah, and what is uh you know what's Luke Skywalker done since he was in this in the Star Wars <laughs> movies? You know, and you're like actually a lot of stuff. It just hasn't been a lot on film because you know people wouldn't be able to get get past like the look. But he does, you know, he's done every video game character out there. He's done the Joker and all the Batman stuff. Um, Jesus. Alan Oppenheimer, have you seen his resume? Jesus. It goes on forever. <laughs> have you guys And heard... he was in Silk Stockings. <laughs> oh, my God. Silk Stockings. <laughs> Bringing it back to HBO in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys heard the audiobook of uh, World War Z? I haven't even seen the movie. Uh, I, I've been meaning to watch the movie, and I just haven't. Oh, he was in the Shima? Bo- the book is fantastic. Um, the book the book I really like, and the book, strangely enough, the book was written by Mel Brooks's son. Huh. And uh, he wrote this, and it's the, and it's this, like, oral history of the last zombie war. And so uh, it, it's, like, all these people, like, the, it's, like, interviews with people after they survived, basically, the zombie apocalypse. All sort of breaking down, like what, when, like the, the breakdown society when it was the worst, how humanity sort of fought its way back, and it, it's all done as interviews. And the audiobook is amazing, be- and I think it, a lot of it is because he is Mel Brooks's son, of course. So he was able to call in a bunch of favors, and so there's all these different speaking roles, and it has the most ridiculous voice cast ever. It's, um, uh, you know, um. Mark Hamill has a big role in it, but it's like Mark Hamill, Henry Rollins, Rob and Carl Reiner, Alan Alda, John Turturro, uh, Simon Pegg, Martin Scorsese, um, like all like all these people from Battlestar Galactica, all these yeah. different like. I'm looking at got, the thing right now. It's got Jerry Ryan in it. Yeah. Uh, who, if you uh, ever, it is it's absolutely fantastic. I listen to it every year around Halloween because it's great. It's about Alfred like, Molina's in it. Yeah, and and God. each of them just sort of takes apart, and it's it's amazing. Nathan Fillion, one, Nathan Fillion, yeah. Well, it was funny because when they when the book first came out, they put out an abridged audio book of it, and uh, it the, the audio book got so popular, and people were so annoyed that the full book wasn't available on audiobook that just when the movie came out they got they did an unabridged version of the audiobook and got all these people like Simon Pegg and Martin Scorsese and Nathan Fillion to record the roles that had been cut out of the original book. <laughs> oh dude, Steve Park was in it who um he was on in Living Color. Oh really? Otherwise known as the Asian guy on in Living Color. <laughs> <laughs> oh that guy. <laughs> Like he was the one that played like Connie Chung and yeah. uh, Yoko Ono and uh, every other Asian character that they did on on uh, in Living Color. It's not typecasting. That's just good act. <laughs> that's just that's just good TV. That's <laughs> just that's just what they did on on in Living Color. But uh, it's it's really it's a it's amazing. It's a great great. It's really well produced. Like it it is really really cool. But my, it's funny. Mark Hamill is sort of the book ending character. Like he he is this soldier that they sort of talk about. Like they follow through the whole thing. And and I love that. Given all these big people who you know come on and uh, Carl Reiner is great as this like Israeli secret agent guy and all this. It's really really cool. But Mark Hamill is the guy that they check in with like throughout the book, and he sort of opens and closes the book denise crosby was in it who's uh, she are she was on uh star trek next generation also the uh, granddaughter of bing crosby (laughs) 
and she had an episode of the Red Shoes Diaries where she got naked. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, yeah, this this this. I cat think I met her insane. when I was a kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, her the the Crosby house is in uh, Toluca Lake, and my my um, dad knew the caretaker of the home, and I think it was like I was like twelve or something like that. Our our family went went over there to visit and get a tour of the house and just hang out and like I guess Marilyn Monroe and John F Kennedy had a thing in the back pool area and like all sorts of crazy history. But yeah, I think I met her. <laughs> But did you meet Cal Penn, who is also in that audio book of World War Z? Uh, I can't say. It's a hell of a cast. I really, like, I, I can't, like, I can't get past it. I'm still, like, I'm on, like, the second column on Wikipedia's, like, cast list. Like, yeah. it's, it's oh. crazy the amount of people that are in this. It's, it's a really interesting book because it's more, it, like, it's about zombies, but it's more about, like, disaster preparedness. Yeah. Like, it's more about, like, if, if all of a sudden there was a complete breakdown society, like, what like what would do well and what wouldn't. And there's, he makes these really compelling arguments about how why in a zombie apocalypse, like the two countries that would be best suited to, def- to like thrive in that environment would be Israel and Cuba. And <laughs> so it's a it's, cautionary tale. <laughs> yeah. It, it's really interesting. It's, it's really like, or just all this stuff. Mark Hamill has this great recurring role as a soldier who's kind of talking about how like modern battle tactics would not work at all for zombies because he's like you know modern military is all about shock and awe and he goes well what do you do if your enemy is something that biologically can't be shocked or awed yeah and doesn't think (laughs) yeah and you know you use all these claymore mines or things like that he's like yeah so it tears them up they're gonna still keep coming yeah. Because the only thing that does it is a headshot. You can't tell soldiers that have been trained for their entire lives to shoot center mass to all of a sudden hit a headshot every time. Yeah, it's like stormtroopers. You could set up uh, claymores that just hit their heads. You could have to hang them from something. Right. It's. But I it's, mean, it's, I shouldn't be in the military. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> open air environments, no problems. We'll just get drones to have rover room. <laughs> just, just get the uh, the Chili's drones or what was that? The TGA Fridays drones. Oh God, I love how quickly we talked about that once and we said, yes. Oh my God, that's someone's going to get in like within like a week. There was There's like some reporter nose. got yeah. smacked in the face. With- yeah, it was a reporter. That was the best part. It wasn't even like a normal person. It was yeah. like someone that was at the restaurant to like report on it. <laughs> She's like, all right, let's see these things work. And then one dinged her right in the nose. Mm. <laughs> and apparently the restaurant manager was like, she's exaggerating. That wasn't as much blood as her blood. And you're like, dude, yeah. there was still, she got smacked in the face and there was some, like the fact that she bled at all yeah. is not helping your case. Yeah. You're like, I'm sorry. Was she bleeding from the infinite appetizers that you can now order there? I'm sorry. If, she, <laughs> if, if this was hockey, she'd be benched. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, let's steer this ship in another direction after we've successfully strapped in. Yeah, we've gone there. Yeah. Do you, uh, Tom, do you listen to, uh, sorry, I, I'm, I'm going to go. Go I'm for going. it. Um, do you listen to audiobooks on your, on your phone or do you listen to them like on your computer or? Uh, I, I do it mostly on my phone now. Uh, I've, I have an audible membership. I, well, I have two things that I use. One is I have an audible membership, which, uh, makes it really easy to just download audiobooks onto the phone. And uh, because and, you know, just even the things like the uh, the iPhone interface makes it really easy to sort of my biggest problem when I listen to an audio book is like if I get interrupted, I have to stop. I I need something that makes it easy for me to sort of advance 30 seconds or go back 30 seconds. Yeah. 
and the controls are pretty easy. Um, there's also a great tool that a lot of public libraries have that they're really terrible at advertising called Microfish. Uh, Microfish, yes, Microfish <laughs> libraries. Uh, it's this it's this subscription service called Overdrive, and uh, and it's worth checking out to see if your public library has it because basically what it is is it is this service that allows you to download um, ebooks and audiobooks for free. Uh, a lot of library districts, it's kind of an expensive thing for a library to subscribe to, and, and a lot of them uh, they get it, and then libraries are really bad at advertising what they have. And so, like, like after a year of our library having it, I finally realized that they had it and was like, oh, okay, let me see, and immediately went in and saw, like, oh, so I can download World War Z for free, and I can do this for free, and I can check this out for – oh, That's well, cool. shit, why the hell aren't I doing this? It looks like there's an app on iOS for it also. Yeah, yeah. And so I um, – now, granted, sometimes if it's a super popular book, it's weird the way uh, – publishers uh, deal with electronic copies with libraries because they still uh, what will happen is they still say like if a if a library goes to random house and says like hey we want to have the ebook of 50 shades of gray available for our patrons there's they still do a shitty thing where they're like okay well you can have like 10 you know for like an ungodly amount of money they're like, you can have 10 licenses for it. And so 10 people can check it out at a time. Like a, a, an infinitely digital thing. And they're like putting a limit right. on it. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's the same. And they put these, and they put these very, very arbitrary limits on it. And, and you know, and the library's like, but we, but it's anyone. And, and, and random, what the publishers always come back to is the claim that, oh, it's because we're, it's to stop piracy. Yeah, of course. Uh, which, look, if the PDF of the book is going to get out there, it's going to get out there, and it's not going to be via someone who's checking it out from the library. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure the people that visit libraries are probably the most honest people, right, out there. But they're they're yeah. like still into print media. Like, don't don't. Well, fuck it. I mean, they're also into streaming live sex shows. Because <laughs> <laughs> hey, is, sometimes it's is that a library thing? Like, is that a no? no did you hear about that? Was like, oh a, yeah, yeah, the yeah, Arizona or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. Yeah, good times. Good Any, times anytime, good times. anytime you have a place where you're giving people like free internet access, there's always going to be like the, some like <laughs> someone who's like because they. Uh, I read that story about the girl who did the sex show in the library, and then there's always another story about like you know like there was a dude just watching kitty porn like in like <sighs> the computer section of the library, and everyone's like, we can see what you're doing. Yeah, like you're not in like a booth. Like it's You're not in a booth. <laughs> You're hardly in a cubicle. Back in right. my day, we had a booth. <laughs> <laughs> they also, a lot of people don't realize, um, rent out video games at the library. So there's there's actually a good amount of video games, like depending on the library that you go to. And, and like, you know, like if you're part of like a Gamefly service or whatever and you try to rent like whatever the newest game is, like you're in a line. Like if you want to get like whatever is coming out this week, like right. you better be a new customer because they, they focus on them. Or, you know, like, you better just be in the first of the line. But sometimes you can go to, like, your library and get the game. I mean, I'm assuming libraries don't probably have, like, the new the new, new stuff, but... You know, sometimes they do. I'm uh, Libraries are turning more and more of their budgets to, like, sort of new media stuff where, yeah. like, you know, uh, smaller and smaller amounts of their money are going towards, like, sort of having the print books on the shelf collection. Yeah. And more and more is being spent on doing things like, all right, we're going to get Overdrive so people can download audiobooks and ebooks, and we're going to get video games, and we're going to do game nights, and we're yeah. going to... 
uh, you have DVDs. You know, it, uh, it's funny now that all the blockbusters are gone. I find myself using my library system a lot more because sometimes I'll, you know, there'll be a movie I want to show my daughter or something like that. And either, you know, maybe it won't be on iTunes and easily get to get from on demand, or there's just a part of me that's like, I don't really want to pay five bucks for that. And I'll look and we live really close to our library and I'm like, Oh, it's there. And our, it like, Oh, my library has inner space for, and I can go get it. For oh my free. God. Space. <laughs> Dude, that was a ride at Disney of world. All of the, like of all the, the movies in the world, that's the one they chooses. For some reason, I've got this, like, I, I, I actually just read it. I haven't shown it to her yet. For some reason, all of a sudden, I was just like, you know what movie my daughter, you know what would be a great movie show? Fucking no one talks about Interspace stuff. <laughs> Fucking Interspace is awesome. <laughs> Robert Picardo is the cowboy. <laughs> the cowboy. Oh, that was that was Martin Short, not Rick Moranis, right? That was Honey, I Shrunk yep. the Kids, right? Okay. Yeah, it's Martin yeah. Short and Dennis, Dennis Quaid, Quaid, Meg Ryan, Joe oh Dante God, directed it. Meg Ryan. Yeah. I remember that. Like, I remember that movie. Like, I don't, I haven't seen it in, you know, forever. But. It was such a fucking weird movie, like, for its it, time. Yeah, it's great. Like, some of the effects are great. Like, it's, I, like, I am a, I am a fan of it. My wife and I are having a debate about, there's a, a well, it's funny now when it comes to, like, showing movies to my daughter, it's, it, it's not, like, the violence thing is all right, because most of the time it's pretty, it's pretty clear where the line is if something is sort of over the top gruesome or if it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just like someone shooting a gun in Indiana Jones. It's not that bad. But it's 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 the sex innuendo stuff is the stuff that gives us pause. <laughs> uh. and, like there's a scene where, you know, like it's kind of clearly post coital and Meg Ryan is like getting out of bed and Dennis Quaid and her are talking and blah, blah, blah. And there's, and she leaves and he like runs out of the house and like, you see his butt for a second. <laughs> and, and, and like, that's the stuff where I, cause I just, I rented it because well, we, I had a whole big, debate with my wife back and forth. I was like, I think Interspace should be fun. And she was like, you haven't seen it in a while. Watch it. So like I rented it to sort of see <laughs> if it was appropriate to show. And, uh, and I think my daughter would love it, but there is one or two of those moments where it's like, Oh, we see a butt or there's a running <laughs> gag where Martin short has a crush on one of his coworkers. Oh, that's right. And she keeps talking about like, Oh yeah, I've literally slept with everyone at the grocery store except for you. <laughs> And then I'm like, all right, well, shit, maybe I won't show this to her. <laughs> the 80s were really like, like, it's funny, like, we always think like, w- like movies are weird, like now, like, you know, like whatever, chappy or, you know, like we, we like we, we think that like movies are weird. I was watching The Man with Two Brains the other night. Oh, God, yeah. And that was another one, like when I was little, like I remember I watched it when I was little and then I haven't seen it since. Um, What a weird movie, like Steve Martin, like in love with a jar with a brain in it. Oh man, yeah, the I, talk. <laughs> I remember seeing that a long time ago, but I I completely forget about it. Yeah, I, I just yeah. remember being so profoundly sad because there was like some point where like um, where Kathleen Turner is like trying to like boil the brain or something like that, and Steve Martin's going crazy about it, and he like pulls the jar out of the oven or something like that, and like the the voice is like going, oh oh god, hot hot hot. And I remember when I was little, I was like. This is really messing me up in the head. <laughs> really, this is fucked up. Yeah, like you're, there's a brain getting just boiled right now. Uh, I saw all of me for the first time in a real long time. Uh, the one where Lily Lily Tomlin shares Steve Martin's body. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that right. was good. That was like, good. What, yeah, what was with oh, the it's, Steve great. It was, it's a great physical comedy thing in Steve Martin because it has to be that like he's sharing his body with someone. 
and of course it was like you know one of the big uh, one of the big eighties like cross dressing type like movies and shows like bosom buddies uh-huh. like oh, yeah. like there's there were always laughs to be had in the eighties about like a man in woman's clothes or a woman in man's clothes or like all that all that kind of uh weird gender bending stuff I remember there right. was there was some uh was it was it one of the boys or something like that or oh yeah that's the one where the girl uh, she, I, I'm, I can't remember why she pretended to be a boy at was the high school. Was she getting like a, a, like a scholarship or something? Or was it just it was something she like was a like a student or like, reporter and she was going to write like an expose or there was some, I mean, geez. Well, I mean, I, I, well, out of all those movies in terms of, so there was the ones that did the sort of the gender stuff, but out of all, the one that really just sort of boggles the mind that ever got made and that it's one of those movies where you're like yeah i'm never gonna this is a movie you're never gonna see late night on tbs ever again (laughs) is did you guys ever see soul man yeah the c thomas howell movie where he pretends to be black yes so that he can get into a university yeah i remember seeing that on like usa up all night actually right like back in the well maybe you know it might have been on like hbo or something (laughs) But uh, it's well, well. Here's the thing. Well, there was definitely a period in the '80s and maybe early '90s where it was still okay to see, show it, and then there was a moment where, like, literally the world collectively went, "Oh, that's kind of fucked up." Yeah, like this is not right. Even even if Leslie Nielsen's in the movie, this is not okay. I mean, even the tag, even the tagline is is really terrible. Like, he didn't give up. He got down. Yeah, <laughs> it's real. I mean, it's real. So bad. Well, and, and particularly, I remember there's one scene in it, and I understand now that the scene is satire, but you just can't, because there's a scene where, like, he gets invited over to, like, uh, like a, basically a rich white family's house for dinner, and the mom is, like, imagining what it's going to be like to have a black man come over to her house, <laughs> and he's basically, like, ravishing her, and is, like, so and bad. is just solely talking in jive, and it's one of those things where I'm like, all right, like I get like, okay, that's like a decent satire, but just even the share that it's C. Thomas Howell, like the guy from yeah. like Red Dawn, <laughs> you know, do in black, you know, like that is one of the things that really makes you appreciate like Robert Downey Jr. and Tropic Thunder. <laughs> like that's just a really good act that like it just showed he had to be an amazing actor for people to not freak out about that. Yeah. <laughs> and he did a great and they did a great job of balancing it. And, you know, they had Brandon Jackson there to sort of give commentary and his character be like, what, you know, the fuck are you doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like that was a role that like nobody else could have done. Yeah. <laughs> and now go, looking back and just like you having like sort of a random 80s brat packer that you sort of put in blackface and told him to act black. You're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like it. it I remember it just being like it was grown worthy back then. And now you look at it and you're like, oh, my God, this was so recent. <laughs> like this is this was still like like, OK. Yeah, it's not that. Yeah, it's not that long ago. Yeah, it's it's crazy thinking about like what was OK not that long ago. I, I mean, I, I even watch, you know, bringing it back to uh, In Living Color. Like I even watch In Living Color sometimes on reruns. Mm-hmm. And because um, they show that like on there's some channel in the middle of the night that shows. That. I think FX shows. It. FX, yeah. I don't think that show could get away with any of the shit that they, they got away with. You know, back then. God, it was, I mean, it now. was crazy what they got away with. And, um, I, I remember watching, um, watching some, some documentary on in living color. And I remember like Keenan Ivory Wayans was saying like that just like it was like they were, you know, like they were exposing these things that had just, just never been said before. And so 
like no one knew what to do with it. You know, like they, they, it's like before they could, before anyone could stop them, they had already said what they said yeah. and they got right. such great ratings on it that, you know, white America was like, shit, they're making fun of themselves, you know? And so it kind of flew under the radar as like, you know, <laughs> like just get the shit out there and then people will know, you know, like how black America feels about stuff. Well, I also think there was a, a surge of black comedians during that time. I mean, you had, uh, yeah. you know, Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor, all of the, you know, like, Black comedians were really big in in the '80s, like coming up, and that's what really inspired. I know Keenan and his brothers. You know, like that's those were like their roots, and they kind of brought that out into the public eye. I mean, I can't believe that show was on Fox, like after The Simpsons. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I still yeah. can't believe that. Yeah, well, because you look at like what SNL does now, and you know, you're like on SNL's edgiest day, like they're still not touching some of the stuff that like In Living Color was doing, just like on a Sunday like <laughs> oh yeah what was it SNL recently just meant like they had that ISIS commercial oh, that, that yeah. was a real like it was it was a real like soft it was a real soft target like it's not it, it was a real <laughs> like it was just making fun of that commercial it was a real sort of easy and the furor that that caused and you're sort of like wait that was controversial yeah. like it's sort of a real easy sort of pun almost like it's yeah and it's that sort of thing going wow okay that gets that is what gets outrage. Yeah, that was um, the worst we got. <laughs> in terms of the weirdness and the stuff that would show up in eighty movies, the one I was talking to a friend the other day about um, the Police Academy movies. Yeah, and there was this recurring joke in the Police Academy movies that I, we were talking about because I I would love to know I would love to go back in time and interview myself as a kid to see what I thought. It like what I thought this joke meant because there was this recurring joke where the bad guy characters would be tricked to go to this bar called the Blue Oyster, which was like a gay leather bar where there would just be tango. And so basically what would happen is the the bad guy characters like the mean sergeant. With it, you'd be like, oh, him and his sidekick Proctor would be like, oh, the, the men tell me this place has a great salad bar. And they'd walk <laughs> in, and it's all these guys, these men in like these sort of exaggerated leather daddies. And all of a sudden, like a record would scratch, and they'd all stop and turn. And like the door would close behind the bad guys, and they'd be like, <gasps> and the leather daddies <laughs> would come up to them, and then someone would turn on like a tango record, yeah. and they'd all just start tangoing. GW and then and there was this, yeah. and then they'd cut to like the next day, and they'd be like, "Oh, it was a rough night." And I'm like, <laughs> "And I'm like, did you guys get raped? Like what? Like <laughs> what like in retrospect?" That? And it was this recurring joke that's in like five of the movies. This of this Blue Oyster Bar, or whatever it was, and I and I would love to know, like when I was a kid, like, is that what I thought? Being gay was <laughs> like it's such a strange joke. Well, when back then, I mean, back then, I mean, like, uh, you know, OK, so Police Academy was 1984. There was uh, I'm never going to be able to find this in a, in a good enough time to, to get it out of my mouth. Uh, there was a White House press briefing during the Reagan presidency. And there was like uh, like during this press briefing, they were trying to talk about AIDS okay. and like the AIDS epidemic, because that's when it was like really starting to like come, come on. Like there's a transcript that's floating out there. I just found it on, uh, on nymag.com. People were like laughing about this. Like people were like in the actual press briefing, 
because like Reagan and like the speaker were going back and forth, like asking if they had AIDS, like you'd be like, well, do you have AIDS? Like, what is this AIDS that's out there? And they were like, oh, well, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's in Africa or it's, it's a gay plague. And everyone in the room would like laugh. Oh my then, God. Yeah. It's, I mean, like you read the transcript and you're like, oh my God, this is the eighties. Like this was like, you know, this wasn't that long ago. This was within my lifetime. They weren't, they weren't like mistaking the double entendre of AIDS versus like, oh, I have aid help. No, I mean, it was like, it was legitimately laughing at people that were dying of a disease. Yeah. Like it was, um, like, like it says, it says here, like, um, someone, someone asks, uh, Larry, does the president have any reaction to the announcement? Uh, the center for disease control in Atlanta, that AIDS is now an epidemic and have over 600 cases. So then someone says, what's AIDS? The guy says over a third of them have died. It's known as the gay plague. The room laughs. Oh man. Oh my God. And he says, no, I mean, it's a serious thing that one in every three people that get this have died. And I wonder if the president is aware of it. And then the guy says, I don't have it. Do you? And the room laughs again. Jeez, the like, press secretary said, I don't have it. Do like, you? This is just crazy. Like the craziness oh God, of, of so this transcript. It's on Buzzfeed also. I wonder if um, that would have happened today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 you can look up. It's, it's called this uh, Buzzfeed news article says 13 times the Reagan white house press briefing erupted with laughter over AIDS. Oh my God. Oh, I mean, and it just goes to show you how, like, how how far we've come in thirty years. Yeah, like how recent, like, right. we've been stupid, you know. Well, yeah, and that is, you know, like, and it was this joke because I remember those movies. It was this real, it was, you know, it was this recurring gag, and it was just, it was, and it was funny because they were never. It was just these guys would just dance, and it was like yeah. you know, all of a sudden this music would start, and 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 and, but but it was always very funny. And then, yeah. oh my God, these guys got in trouble, and these big leather guys, and they just want to dance all night long. And and I and it was that thing where I'm like, I would love just to go back and talk to like myself and my friends who were watching this when we shouldn't have been watching it on HBO, and go like, okay, what do you think is happening there? The blue oyster salad bar. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, Jesus. Of course. Four hundred fifteen thousand views on YouTube. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 818 like, thumbs I, up, I, I, 22 down. Oh, and I, I can do this. Like, the music is, like, burned into my head. It's like this. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like that? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty hard to no, it, And it, this isn't even it, but there's this. I look like, oh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah, it's like the stereotypical so no, like, uh, <laughs> village people them, guy. Yeah, and they would never show them like kissing or being aggressive. But it was just there was this thing where like all of a sudden the doors would shut and they'd be like, "You guys aren't getting out of here without dancing." <laughs> oh, shit. And, and, and then they would just like they, they would cut to like the next day and they'd be like, "Should we talk about last night?" And shut up. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's so strange. And then that idea of like that that was not that long ago. Yeah, that was when I was a kid. That was you know, with the first one is in '84, but what there was like seven of those movies, so at yeah. least a couple of them came out in the '90s. <laughs> I think they're still coming out. Actually, there's a Kuwait Police Academy 40. Oh no, that's something different. Actually, I think I read <laughs> that Key and Peele got hired to like write a reboot. Oh my god, of the Police Academy franchise. I think that was a recent news item. Police Academy Next Generation. It says in development. 
I, I believe it. Um, yeah, yeah. Keegan Michael Key is producer. Paul Paul Maslansky, producer. Sasha Maslansky, Jordan Peele, producer. Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, I like Keegan Peele. Uh, I think those guys are funny, and you know, it, well, and that's the you know what everything's got to be recycled. But that was the you know as as the multiple competing Ghostbusters movies uh, <laughs> oh, test too. Uh, like, the, I love the fact that like like. <laughs> I read an article about this and the, and the quote that they had gotten, the quote that whatever this article was, um, basically had one of the producers or whoever it was talking about how they're expanding the universe. But they had specifically said they were doing it so that they could sell more stuff was basically they were like, you know, from a merchandising standpoint and from, you know, an entertainment standpoint. Yeah, of course, we want to expand the universe. And you're like, you dicks, you want to do this just so that fucking kids will buy action figures. Like, or, you know, people will buy mugs or something. That's why all these reboots have been coming out is just yeah. because uh, that it's easy to franchise them because they already have a franchise. It's not like you're trying to build a fan base. Their fan base is already there. It's kind of like, yeah. uh, you know, the 80s bands coming back and doing tours. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, they're just they're just out of money and they need to sell some merch. You've already got right. a Sticks shirt. You can buy a new one. My friend is a drummer for Sticks, so I can't say anything bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Hey, I got no problems with sticks. I I don't know why I thought of what was sticks uh, sticks big thing. Mister Roboto. That's right. Sail away. Um, Sail away. Yeah. Lady. Lady. <laughs> hey, lady. <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, whenever I hear about the Ghostbuster stuff, and it, it literally all the only thing that comes to mind was, wow, Dan Aykroyd must have found out that Crystal Skull vodka bottles cost way more than he thought they would. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I never bought one of those, and I totally wanted to. I remember when I first saw. The big thing about that, I was like, oh, man, it's it's alcohol inside of a skull. Yeah, that that is totally something that I want. And I never bought one. The thing I love is that that is what's important to Dan Aykroyd. Like this idea, because he's this big UFO kook and like really like believes like, you know, I think thought Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull was a documentary and like he really like believes in all that stuff. And so like if you're going to go ahead and like have your own vodka business, like what's important to you? The taste and quality of the vodka itself? <laughs> Fuck no. I want the bottle to look like a skull. <laughs> and like, he um, literally the least important thing you could spend your money on. Right. Right. Totally, I mean, uh, what do you do when you want to buy a bottle of wine at the store? It's like, hmm, that label looks cool. I think I'm going to drink that. That 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 has good artwork on it. <laughs> right. And, and and again, it's that whole and then it goes in the recycling bin. You know, it's like, hey, and you know what, uh, Dan, maybe I buy my first Crystal Skull vodka bottle. Maybe I keep the first one. I put a candle in it, you know, whatever, because, oh, it's an unusual bottle. Like idea. if I ever buy it again, like. Am I paying all this for the extra packaging and I'm just throwing these in the recycle bin every time I'm like, no, you're getting another candle holder. You just gave me a great idea. I wasn't even (laughs) thinking that far in the future. I just wanted to have the skull with the alcohol on it. You don't even, you don't even need wax. You just light it after you open it. (laughs) You just put a rag, an oily rag in it. Or I guess the vodka will be the, uh, the incinerant. He did like a, like an infomercial type commercial for it. Like I remember like his whole spiel. And this whole like demeanor holding up this, uh, you know, skull with vodka in it. That was actually what sold me. I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, this is it's, great. <laughs> yeah. He's so far gone. Like, and it's just because, I mean, just such a genius and did so much amazing stuff in, in the 80s and the 70s. And then you're just like, oh, okay. Like you, like people get weird when they get old. Okay. That's true. 
You give, right. you give someone a, an infinite amount of money in the 80s and then uh, let them kind of wither away over time and see what yeah. they come up with in the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> like that's kind of uh, – <laughs> That's kind of the way that uh, that's the way the world dies. <laughs> Kevin so Smith uh, is doing Clerks three, which I cannot be uh, any more um, in opposition to. And then uh, he there's a there's a rumor that he's going to do another Mallrats. Oh fuck! Which because, again, because he's got to stop. Babylon's not paying the bills, huh? <laughs> well, he just knows he has a real like he has a re- like I think Kevin Smith like. Well, more than most people in Hollywood, like I think Kevin Smith knows the size of his audience. I think he's like, oh, yeah, I have this many fans exactly. <laughs> and so basically I'm just going to make stuff for them to keep like giving me some money. Mm. He, so um, basically because I'm just going to keep asking them, do you guys want me to do another Mallrats? Mm. Yeah, my my hundred thousand fans or yeah. billion or whatever. They really OK, we'll do another Mallrats because if they each pay. 30 bucks, you know, if they pay 20 bucks each for it, it'll be the, like, I'm sure he has some algorithm that's like, it shows exactly how much money he can extract from his uh, <laughs> he, um, the size of his fan base. It's so funny because it's like, I don't, I don't really particularly like his movies. I mean, you know, like Clerks, Clerks was great for like the time and place it was. Mallrats was great for the time and place it was, um, you know, but, the, but it's like, it's got to stop. And like, I hear him like, I, like, I always, I, I say this, like whenever I talk about Kevin Smith, but like he does. Um, like he'll, he'll jump on the morning show here in, here in Los Angeles, like basically like once a month at least. Um, cause he's friends with, um, he's friends with the guys at K rock out here. And mm-hmm. he's, uh, he does his like improv comedy thing, um, with Ralph Garman who does the sports at K rock. So he'll be on the morning show like every now and then. And I hear him and like, he's so likable when he's on K rock. Like I love the stories that he tells on K Rock, and I love like well, he's a really smart, engaging guy. I, I love the stuff that he says, and I love the stuff that he talks about, and how he says it. And then every other thing that I listen to from his, like even his podcast, I just I do not want to hear it. I just I cannot. I have like no tolerance for it. And I think it's because when he's on the radio, he's got like he's got a a sensor there. Like he can't say certain words, and he can't like just sit there and talk about being high the whole time. Right. And, there's got to be, and there's a time, you know, like there's a big time thing, especially on, on actual radio. It's not just like, well, you got two hours, talk about whatever you want. And he's like, I'm so high in Clerks 3. Like, but I heard him talking about Clerks 3 and like, I heard he was saying, um, someone was saying like, well, who are you making this movie for? You know, like, who do you make these Clerks movies for? And he was saying like, I make these movies like basically to talk to myself. Um, he goes, you know, like clerks, when clerks came out, like I was basically talking to myself in my twenties and when I made clerks two, I was talking to myself in my thirties. And now that I'm in my forties, like I'm making clerks three to like talk to myself in my forties. He goes, so, you know, I'm not really like telling someone else's story. I'm like telling myself my story of like what I feel like at this point. <laughs> and I thought that was like a really interesting way to explain it. Like he was not, you know, it's like, he doesn't think that he's telling someone's story as far as like, um, you know, getting some, you know big important story out there or, or you know how people always say like clerks was just kind of about nothing um you know he was really talking about like him like his own feeling of like being lost in his 20s and then clerks too was like feeling lost in your 30s and you know kind of just going to kind of go from there i mean he, he, i feel like he could be telling another story you know like even like you know neil blomkamp you know does the same movie over and over again but at least he kind of comes up with a different you know like immediate story around it like i feel like you know, there, there should be more than just like Clerks 2 and Mallrats 2 and Clerks 3 and, 
you know, like he can come up with something else. And I think it would be really, you know, really successful. I mean, the dude's like written comic books and like cartoons and stuff like that. So he's got it in him. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's funny. It's, you know, par, but part of it is, you know, then, you know, I, I wonder how much of it is like him just going like, you know what? I did the fucking walrus movie. Not that many people went to go see it. So, yeah. all right, like, what do I got to, you know, if him doing Clerks 3 is the equivalent of Johnny Depp doing Pirates 5. Yeah, yeah. Just being like, <laughs> um, you know, I want some good press and I want an easy win. Yeah, I can and say the same jokes over and over again. It writes itself. Right. Yeah, I, you know, I do my little Jack Sparrow walk and, uh, <laughs> and everyone's happy. <laughs> the Jack Sparrow walk. All right, now that we've finished our conversation about how friggin' weird the 80s were, that's about it for the 8-Bit Podcast this week. If you haven't done so already, check us out at 8BitDad.com, like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash 8BitDad, and send us your tweets and tell us what you want what you want us to talk about in future podcasts at Twitter.com slash 8BitDad. Thanks for joining us. Please be safe out there. Um, we're idiots. Snoochie boochies. Back in my day, we had a booth.